briefly introduce Greg Boyd to you. First of all, his better half is here today, Susan and Emily. You're right down here. If you guys will wave at us. Glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, Greg Boyd and I laugh a lot together, but the truth of the matter is I respect this man a great deal. Uh, I've always known him to have a servant's heart, always willing to do even the difficult things, the uncelebrated things, the necessary things. Uh, And that humble heart of service continues to beat as strong as ever. Today, he's the pastor of Redemption Church here in the Tulsa area, which is a church that specializes in helping incarcerated individuals re-assimilate into society, and they surround them with love and work with them. They are that church uh, in our community that specializes in that particular redemptive outreach, and uh, it's a tough one. Uh, I think it's one of the most difficult assignments within our conference, Um, and it's just like Greg to embrace it. Uh, He does so with faithfulness, with joy, and uh, Greg, you've got my respect for who you are, for what you do, and uh, it's my joy this morning to introduce you to our church family and them to you. Come and share Jesus with us. Let's give Greg a hand as he comes. Is it, is it working? Okay, good. Um, coming here, I see a lot of people that I, a uh, lot, maybe 10. You know, a lot, 10. I can see several people out here. Not everybody. I can, uh, it's like coming home in a way to see a lot of folks, and it's good to see those who I know, and it's good to see those who I don't know. Because if it had only been the people I know, there'd only been 10 people here. <laughs> Well, it's great to be here, and I was, uh, I was thinking as I saw the, the twins uh, that I can remember, uh, we were in, uh, I don't know, were you, we, were, we went to Alabama, and then we stopped at a, at a mall and ate at a mall, and at that time, they were, your dad was on the phone because Cheryl was in labor with the twins. Yeah. And how old are they? Fifteen, so I think it was about fifteen years ago. <laughs> I'm not certain of that. Okay, let's pray. God, I ask that you would help me today, and that uh, the Christ in me would speak to the Christ in everybody here, and that would we would communicate things that make a difference. So I ask you to help me in Christ's name. Amen. FOMO. F-O-M-O. Do you know what that means? The fear of missing out. How many times have you gotten an email from Best Buy or somebody says, Last day, don't miss out. You see, missing out is probably one of the strongest fears that I think people have. Being outside of the loop is probably one of the great fears that people have. Oh, you should have been to that service, church service. And it's always the church service I didn't go to. That was the greatest service ever. In fact, Jesus asked first if you were going to be there. When he found out you weren't, he really moved. Well, you know, it's that thing. You're going to miss out. I mean, all these ads. You know, you have three days left. Last day. 
You're going to buy this or you're going to miss out and never have the chance to buy this product at this price ever, ever again until next week. (laughs) That is true. That is so true. But it's the fear of missing out, especially in the Christian world too. It works that way too. Oh, you should, you should all be at Life Church today. They, you're missing out. Well, you know what? You're not missing out. You really aren't. And I'll tell you why. Because Christ is in you. That's the whole bedrock of our faith, isn't it? And in Colossians 1.27, Paul says this, Christ in you is the hope of glory. So we ask ourselves then, should I respond to the fear of missing out like everybody else does? Christ is in you. I get amused. You go to a Christian bookstore and you can be overwhelmed with the variety of books there are on the secret to the Christian life. I know Joyce Meyer had a book called A Hundred Ways to Simplify Your Life. That's a real book. You can look it up. A hundred ways to simplify your life. Number one, don't buy this book. Well, you go and you can see all different kind of books. What's the latest Christian trend? We're following a Christian trend. We don't want to be left behind, right? There's even a book, Left Behind. Because we don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be behind the fifth wave. Is it the fifth or sixth wave of the Christian? All these movements, you don't want to be left behind, do you? No, it works even in the Christian realm. I'm over at St. Luke's, you know, and we've got 100 people who are uh, incarcerated, and I'm thinking, gosh, somewhere else, someone else is doing, doing it bigger and better. And I kind of feel like I'm missing out. But this fear of missing out is not from God. Where is it from? The Sugar Ray Leonard guy. (laughs) It's the devil, right? Because as soon as you fear missing out, you're going to get frantic, aren't you? You're going to start looking all around. Nothing works without some kind of power or energy, right? This building right now. We appreciate the electricity, right? And we know that we appreciate it, especially when it goes out. We're sitting in a dark room here today with no sound. Uh, We would be less for it. But electricity. Your cars. You get in your cars and your cars, no matter how good a car you have, without gasoline or CNG, natural gas or whatever, your car won't run. Everything runs, needs to run on fuel. Your heartbeat, which you didn't think about too much when you walked in here, that's the thing keeping you alive, folks. That's the thing keeping you sitting here is your heartbeat. We don't think too much about our heartbeat until something goes wrong with our heart, right? And then as we get older, we realize there are more things that can go wrong, right? And you kids will really understand how complex your body is when it starts breaking down. I speak from experience. 
The body doesn't work without food, air, and water. Try living without air for a minute or two. That's not healthy. <laughs> Nothing works without those things. And our spirits, our heart, where we live, that is the part that if you're wounded in an area, that's your heart, folks. That's the wheelhouse. That's the generator. That's what God's talking about when he talks about our heart. It's where we live. So we would think that the God who made our physical bodies and gave us food, air, and water, and other things to supplement it, nutrients, and all those things, would also be concerned about feeding our spirits, correct? In fact, that would be probably the first thing that he might be concerned about in, in uh, new, giving us the nutrition in our hearts, um, in our hearts, we need what? We need love, don't we? We need acceptance. We need forgiveness. And we need grace. And if we don't have those things, we wither and die inside. Our hearts begin to fade and our spirits grow faint within us without those things. So we all need to be energized by something. In Colossians, Paul tells us that Jesus Christ is the source of all things, the source of all energy that energizes everything. Without him, there was nothing made that was made. Through his agency, through his being, you and I were created. Now, the key is, a very important thing, is to understand at some point, you and I have to, to go and grow, to understand that it was a good idea for God to make us through Christ. And there might have been a thousand reasons for you not liking who you are, but apparently it was good enough for God. And coming to the point where you don't listen to all the outside voices that tell you why you're not valuable, all those voices are counterfeit. They're real, but they're based on a counterfeit system. We come to agreement that it was through Jesus that we're made, and that was a good idea. Because he had something in mind. He has something in mind. He doesn't create something without a purpose. Right? Here's the purpose. We're told that through Christ everything that was made was made. Through his agency. And through the Holy Spirit, the very being of God. Through Christ he resides in our hearts right now. Not tomorrow, not someday, but now. And that in itself is mind-blowing if we think about it for a while. The power to live God's life comes from God alone. You cannot imitate living like God without God's spirit. You can't do it. At best, it's a poor imitation. Only the life of Christ can give you to help you live the life that Christ wants you to. Through his death on a cross, his burial and resurrection, God's spirit is delivered to us through the agency of the Holy Spirit or the very being of God and currently resides in our hearts. I'd like to read uh, Galatians 3, 13 and 14. And you hear a lot about the the blessing of Abraham, and through Abraham's blessing, 
uh, through him, through his seed, all the world will be blessed. And here's exactly how the world is blessed. I'll read verse 13 because it gives us a good context. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. The curse pronounced by the law is this. You're not good enough. And people can live under that curse all their life. I'm not good enough. And they do. And we do. And we have to fight that sometimes. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. He became that curse for you. He exchanged your shame and he took it. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Now, here's the part where we come in about the blessing. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Now, catch this. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. That is the end game of the blessing. That you and I might receive the Holy Spirit through faith in our hearts. And that is good news. It is grasped by faith, faith and trust. To, to get an idea of where your faith and trust is, um, I like to look at superstition to let you know where your heart is. There was a girl one time, you know chain letters? You know chain letters. I don't know if you get them as much as you used to or not. But there was a chain letter. I was working at a place one time. Someone put a, an 8 by 11 and a half piece of paper that was typed out and copied. And it gave several, you know, sub, several stories. It said, please pass this on to 10 other people. And if you pass it on to 10 other people, you'll have what? Blessing. And if you don't, well, let me tell you a story about who didn't. Joe Pafufna didn't. He took it and he threw it in the trash and the next day he went outside and got hit by a truck and died. Joe Pafufna. Now Marty Skinks, he did another thing. He took that thing and he made copies. In fact, he didn't make 10, he made 20. And you know what? The next day, he got a check for $10,000 in the mail. What do you think of that? Well, we all got that. And this girl who'd been living with a guy for seven years, which I don't think is really, you can't find it in the Bible, if you were reading it, even in a cursory fashion, just slipping through, flipping through the pages. You couldn't find justification for that. Girl comes by and she goes, are you going to send that out? And I said, no, I'm not. I threw it away. Maybe that's the reason my life has gone so poorly since then. No, I'm kidding. But the, I said, well, are you? And she goes, oh, yes. And for a moment in time, I had a frozen moment that was forever crystallized in my mind. I thought, isn't it interesting how someone just read something, you don't know who wrote it, you don't know if it's true, 
But she'll believe that more than she'll believe something that was written in the Bible 2,000 years ago and it says plainly, don't do it. Isn't that strange? Where'd she believe it? It was in her heart. That's where you believe stuff. That's where the real stuff goes on, right? Isn't that where you believe it? See, in her heart, in that fearful part of us, that, that, that raw underbelly of us that gets hurt and gets petty, that's our heart. That's your heart. That's the place no one else sees. That's the place that we spend probably 90% of our energy hiding until we get too old and then it comes out. I believe that when you get old, what happens? That nice little old lady used to go to church every Sunday and sing in the choir. She starts cussing like a sailor. <laughs> she, can't, she can't keep it down anymore. Your physical body just can't do it. It just starts slipping out. You don't think I'm... I'm not kidding. <laughs> she was so sweet. She always cooked for the suppers and never said a curse word. (laughs) Aloud. (laughs) But in Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, Our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How many of you know your heart is that way? I know by experience. I live with me 24-7. Yeah, I'm kind of used to me now. I live with me and I know that the heart can be deceitful. The heart can deceive us into thinking that we really want something that we really don't need. Right? Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Once you've gotten your heart hurt, you know it, don't you? You can think back to a time where your heart's been hurt. You can think back immediately, can't you? When your heart was hurt, when you trusted someone and the trust was broken, right? That hurts. That hurts. And that's our heart. And that's where we have faith that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. Paul tells us the mystery of God has revealed to us that it is Christ in us which is the hope of glory. Imagine there are some religions that cannot see how God could inhabit human beings, the Muslim faith, and uh, can't imagine it. How could God dirty himself to mess with you and me? How could he get his hands dirty with flesh? <laughs> hey, you work with people, you know what he's talking about. Yeah. How could God do that? You see, and the people that don't understand how God could come in flesh don't understand how God could come and live in this flesh. If God didn't come in the flesh, he's not going to come into you. Are you kidding me? Would you go into that mess? But he did send someone in the flesh to die a very ignoble death, a horrible death. And he died. He was killed by the cream of the crop that society could give us. Now, he wasn't killed by sneaky criminals. He was killed by the cream of the crop. The greatest we had to offer him was death. That's the best we could do. 
in our society with our legal system. The best we could give was that. So he paid a price to get to us. Because somebody's got to take care of your stuff, take care of your junk. It's just like this. You got a junky house. You want to get it renovated? You get rid of the junk. Somebody has to deal with your stuff. Who else is going to deal with your stuff but God? You know, in Christ, he got his hands dirty. It's just like I use this example. It's just like you ever had a favorite pet and your favorite pet is injured? And your pet that might lick your face and love to see you when it's injured, it's a different story. If you try to pick up your wounded animal to take it to the vet because your intentions are good for it, what is that animal going to do? It might bite you even though it loves you because why? It hurts. Jesus came into the world just like that. To people who are hurt and people who are defensive and people who lash out because we don't know what we do. He chose to come to us. And not just to come to us, but to live in us. Jeremiah prophesied it. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Jesus spoke about it in John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. How long? For a month or two? Was it like six years and then there's an expiration date then he has to re-register? No, it's forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him because they don't expect God to be involved with their life at a dirty foot-washing level. They're not looking for him to lower himself because he doesn't have time. Their God doesn't have time. But he says, but you know him for he lives with you and will be what? In you. In you. Paul says this in Philippians 2, 12b through 13. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill, fulfill his good purpose. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say work out your salvation on your own. doesn't say that, does it? In fact, it says the opposite. It says, continue to work out your salvation. It doesn't say work for your salvation, does it? No. But I used to think it said that. I never liked this verse because I never read it. I didn't understand it. Wait a second. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Oh, in other words, I can't have that first part of the sentence unless the second part of the sentence is true. Do you understand how that works? I can't continue to work out my salvation with fear and trembling unless God's inside of me. For it is God at work within you both to do what? To will, to give you the willingness when you get punched in the gut and told that you're worthless, right? Like... Sugar Ray Leonard tried to do with Roberto Duran. He wants to give you the willingness and to work. He works in you. Well, you ask, well, how much of it hymns? How much of it me? Well, I'll tell you what. You're in Christ, a new creature. You become one with Christ. 
So where you end and where he begins is always going to be kind of a blur to you. And to me. Because you know what? Subjectively, I don't, I just experience life, right? Subjectively, I know what it's like in here. I can't sometimes tell up from down. But Christ does. And I'll tell you what it's like with Christ being in us. It used to be this. Before we came to Christ and before Christ came in us, it used to be God over here. And me and my treasured sins over here. With my nature, which is a sinful nature. Which is the knee-jerk reaction of every human being. God says white, we say black. God says stand up, we say sit down. You know, every kid is like that. And every adult is like that. (laughs) That's still our part of, not still... But in Christ, what's happened, it used to be me and my sin against God. Now, this is an equation that I hope that you remember. God versus me and my sin. Put the brackets around me and my sin and God over there. In Christ, the parentheses have moved. It's me and God versus what? My sin. Because I've become a new creature. Paul talked about that in Romans 7. He says, I don't know what to do sometimes. I want to do this and I end up doing something different. My old nature still rises up. And people say, well, if I'm still in Christ, why do I still experience the stuff I'm experiencing? It's because he's rooting out junk. It's like one time my, uh, we had a bush out in front that I needed to dig out. Oh, God, it was God in heaven. It was there for how long? It had been there for like a million years. I'm exaggerating for effect. Um, But you dig it out, and I've never seen so many roots. I mean, I was just, oh, it was just root after root. I thought I'd gotten all of it, and then there were more roots. But sometimes you wonder why you're having a tough time in your Christian life. Because Jesus is digging out the roots. He's digging out the junk. That's why you might wonder, well, am I really saved? God, are you really Jesus? Are you really in me? I asked you into my life, and so where'd you go? I don't know where you are. He's right there. See, our expectation is this. I went to ORU in 91 to go to seminary, and every week they had, I called it the dog and pony show. They had every big-time evangelist that come and spew and spit forth. And I sat on the second row. So spitting and spewing was part of my regular routine. But every big guy came through there telling us how great and wonderful all things are. Benny Hinn came one time. He said, here, and this is a great, and I'm not saying anything about Benny Hinn at all, except I'm going to say what he said. He said, everybody who wants a touch from God, come forward. Guess how many people came forward? How many people are here? And if I were to say, how many want a touch from God, how many would you come forward? Every single one of you. Because I don't know anybody that doesn't want a touch from God. Unless they're an atheist and were afraid. But everybody came forward. And he was standing up there and he had his coat and he was throwing coats and all that. And people were doing this. And I was right there. Standing about right here on the steps. 
And I was ready because I wanted a touch from God. Who wouldn't want a touch from God? Everybody wants a pat on the hand that says, God knows still where you are, right? I know where you are. I know what you're going through, and I can help you with whatever it is to get out of whatever mess you're in. Right? I wanted that. I'm here. And, of course, we're sardines. So I'm ready, and I'm getting excited. And about when I'm here, he had to go catch a plane. I didn't get my touch from God. Well, I was torqued. So... But then as I was thinking, I thought, you know, what is everybody looking for here? I looked around, I looked at myself, what am I looking for? I just want someone to say, Greg, it's okay to be you, and I can take you where you need to be. I know you inside and out, and I accept you the way you are. Not everybody else does, by the way. (laughs) But I do, and I will never leave you or forsake you, so what are you looking for? What are you looking for, Greg? I just want someone to tell me that it's okay for me to be here and I got a chance. I got a hope to be something other than I am. That's all I wanted. If a guy had to throw his coat at me to get it, I guess I did. I ain't going to throw nothing. I can't throw anything, I don't have anything to throw. My coats are too big for me since I've lost weight. I know as a Christian, I can get swept up in the restless search for happiness, for the next big thing, the next big trend, the next shiny object that tells me what the going thing is. I can get restless as to searching for what next to do so that I don't get left out or left behind. We can get so distracted with those things that it kind of becomes like grandma's glasses. Now, where did I put those things? Now, I had them around here somewhere just recently. I had a book and I put it, and it's somewhere. Those glasses are somewhere. And I'm going to find them if it takes all day. Where were the glasses? Right here. Don't we go on a frantic search when the one, the answer to who and what we need is right here in our hearts? Because the only hope that you and I have is Christ in you and me. The hope of glory. I get amused by people who say, angels watching over me. Angels are watching over me. Good night. You got the Lord of the universe in your gut. (laughs) Angels watching over me. I got the deputy sheriff watching me. Well, you got the head sheriff inside you. But I know that's how we are because we don't want to miss out. We want to know that someone's taking care of us, don't we? We want to know that someone inside understands the craziness that sometimes is our lives. In our hearts.
Romans 10, 6 through 9 says, But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend to heaven to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the deep to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you. It's right even on your lips. It's in your mouth. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is in me. And that's all. That's all I need to know. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the last place we look for you is in our heart as you said you would be. And you got You went on the cross, gave up your life, died, resurrected in order to make a way, to plow a way into our hearts when we receive you by faith. That you dwell in here by faith, not by sight, not by feeling. If a feeling comes along, that's good. But based on your words, based on you being trustworthy to us when we are not, that's how you live in us. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen. There we go. Greg, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for reminding us of that truth. I'll never forget those glasses on the top of your head. What an important truth. He lives within us. That's something to celebrate every day. Something to enjoy. And something to give away. Would you join me as we close in prayer? Lord God, this morning we... We thank you for that reminder of that deep abiding truth that you live within the hearts of all of us who have invited you, who have responded to your offer to us that you came for us to be our Savior, to be our Lord, to be our friend, to be our forever companion, to be our deliverer, to be our crowning king. Thank you, God, that you're here with us this morning, and that's why we worship. Not for something that someday may happen, but for what is already true and continuing to unfold, that you live within us and you are making us over into the likeness of your son, that someday, someday when we're family together around your throne, the family resemblance will already be obvious. God, we praise you. If it were not for Jesus, what an incredible thought that would be that you would come to take up residence in us. What a bizarre thought if it were not for Jesus who left the throne room of heaven for a stable who grew up from the wood of a cradle 
to embrace the wood of a cross. Lord Jesus, if you'd follow us that far, not just to our sin, but to the punishment of our sin, and take that for us, help us to believe today that you walk with us through everything. We worship you today. And if this morning your heart resonates with that truth and you want to walk with others who will remind you of it as we walk this life out together, know that the doors of this church are open to your fellowship as we stand and sing. If you want to become a part of this church, if you want Christ to live now and forever in your heart, we invite you to this altar. We'll celebrate that decision will accept you into this fellowship as we stand and sing this final praise song to the God who lives in our midst and in our hearts, to Jesus. Let's stand as we sing.